0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to All Good Points. It's your favorite sports podcast that's hosted by me, Ricky Gray Jr. For a split second, the Raiders had a chance to tighten up the race in the AFC West, and then the Chiefs came along and messed it all up. So what happened? Let's take a look at that game and the rest of the games from Week 13 before we make some picks for Week 14. Remember to rate and review All Good Points on your favorite podcast platform. Follow me on Instagram at All Good Points Podcast and on Twitter at Ricky Gray Jr. Now let's start the show. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. This week's theme music is brought to you by the New Fools and their song "Trouble Is My Thing." I should say "thing," but I'm gonna pronounce it as "thing," just because it sounds a little bit better. You can check them out on Spotify, on Instagram, on iTunes. They're everywhere. Uh, So yeah, the New Fools, great song. Uh, You'll be hearing that through the rest of the uh, through the rest of the episode for the breaks and for the post roll. So thank you to the New Fools for uh, for the song um so let's talk about this week's games there there's been some interesting stuff that's happened around the league I'm gonna blitz through a couple of key games um and then we're gonna kind of move on to one of our more important kind of things that we need to talk about which is the trouble in in Oakland uh so starting first with the the turkey day games there was a, a very interesting upset I would you know what I'd, I don't even think it's technically an upset even though a lot of people thought Dallas were gonna was gonna win at home um including me I kind of had like that moment of thinking man Dallas really can't lose at home when they really need a win they got their asses kicked by Buffalo 26 to 15. Dak had a a good game, you know, for the most part, but Cole Beasley came back against his former team, caught 110 or caught for 110 yards. It it was just, it was kind of sloppy play from Dallas. And then, you know, they kind of pan over to Jerry Jones and he's got a tear in his eye. He's, he is really, really disappointed in the way that his team is playing, which I understand. I wholeheartedly understand. I'm on Jerry Jones's side about this. You have more than enough good players, great players on your team. It's the coaching though. You know, they made a statement not long ago saying that they were going to keep Jason Garrett at least till the end of the year, maybe even longer. How though? How do you go along with the mediocrity that is the Dallas Cowboys right now? You know, you're sitting at you're sitting at an abysmal record. People didn't think that you were going to be playing this bad especially against a team like Buffalo, which nobody is giving credit for like nobody. Nobody's giving Buffalo any kind of credit right now, even though they're nine and three and second in the AFC East, nobody wants to give Buffalo any credit. Then they go into Dallas. Everybody's still saying Buffalo's going to lose to Dallas. They can't play Dallas at home. They come in, they smack Dallas. And now you kind of, you kind of are seeing how weak the NFC East is right now. Cause the Eagles lost to Miami, which we'll talk about in a second, but the, the NFC East is really, really weak right now. And Dallas kind of has all of the players that it should to be a very, very strong football team and it's the coaching that's lackluster truly it's the coaching that's lackluster uh moving on we're going to we're going to skip to a different game let's talk about New York at Cincinnati Cincinnati was able to get its first win of the year after bringing back Andy Dalton and t- uh, telling Andy Dalton he's going to start they were able to beat the uh the New York Jets 22 to 6 the Jets looked good a week ago against the Raiders and then they look flat um which is what you get with a team like the Jets it's not like that doesn't really surprise me that one week they look good. And then the next week they look really, really bad. That's just not, it's not a good football team. They're not consistent. So you just can't trust them. Uh, Cincinnati kind of needed to get a win. They didn't want to go. zero and 16, the jets were the perfect team to do it against. Andy Dalton was able to have a pretty big game through for 243 yards. So, you know, good on Cincinnati for getting a win. Uh, super important game right here, Tennessee at Indianapolis. Now going into this, Everybody knew Indianapolis needed to win to kind of keep their position. Now, Tennessee is taking a leg up in the competition, and it's going to be interesting down the stretch to see what Tennessee can do with it because they're really only one game out from Houston. So with being one game out, they have a chance to actually push for the top of the AFC South now that they're starting Ryan Tannehill. Now that they're starting Ryan Tannehill, okay, and they're letting Eric Henry or uh, Derrick Henry do the heavy lifting. That's that was the 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 sole point of what Tennessee was supposed to be this year was a running football team. They're supposed to be a, a, a stout rushing attack. And instead, they tried to do this strange thing in the beginning of the year where they were like kind of letting Marcus Mariota be the centerpiece when he really never should have been that centerpiece. What Ryan Tannehill is doing right now is managing the game and making the throws that he needs to, to move the ball down the field. But the game plan is solely set around their stout offensive, um, their offensive line. It's a good uh, run offense. So they're set behind Derrick Henry and letting Derrick Henry do the heavy lifting and push the ball down the field. Do they always look dynamite? No, they're not going to look they're not going to look good 24/7. They just you can't do that when you have a running game that you're dedicated to, especially if you want to stay dedicated to that running game. You're going to look bad maybe for a couple of possessions. You're you're not going to look good early on in the beginning of the game. It's when you start to tire out that defense that, you know, you start to see how that running game has played off throughout the uh throughout the week or uh throughout the game. So, Tennessee was able to get a big win over Indianapolis, thirty-one to seventeen. Jacoby Brissett just—he can't be it for the Colts. You know what I'm saying? He just—he really cannot be it for the Colts. They have to find a—they uh, have to find a different route to go next year. Obviously, not this year. I would say let this year just kind of be a wash and uh, kind of move on from it. I think they need to make some moves either in the draft or take a look to see what veteran quarterbacks they could go after, if any. Uh, going on, uh, going into uh, the offseason. Moving on, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 28-11. James Winston had a pretty good game. Peyton Barber had a couple of touchdowns. The the interesting point here is that uh, Nick Foles was benched in favor of Gardner Minshew. Now, that's, that might not be huge for people that aren't, big into jacksonville i really care about what's going on in jacksonville and i understand that you know there's certain teams you're concerned with your team not necessarily the nfl or the you know the rest of the teams around the league but it's interesting because jacksonville put so much into bringing nick Foles to jacksonville you know they they put a lot of work into getting him there saying you know this is going to be our starting guy this is the guy that's going to be playing for us and you know he turned the ball over i believe it was twice on his, on his first two possessions, he turned the ball over, and uh, they decided to, you know, bench him and bring in Gardner Minshew. Now, is Minshew going to be the, I guess, future for Jacksonville? No, I don't really think so. I don't think that you could put a Lich pin on, on Gardner Minshew being the starter for Jacksonville going forward. I think Jacksonville is going to take its time and figure out who is going to be their starter or if they're going to find somebody else. And they have every right to do that. I mean, as a football team, sometimes you need a little bit more time to figure out guys that are going to be better pieces in your offense than what you have right now. Now, whether or not Nick Foles comes back during the offseason or he gets some work in and he, he gets a little bit better, I don't think Nick is a bad quarterback. Truly, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think that there needs to be a lot of work done on Jacksonville's offensive line before we start to look at all of the issues that, you know, quarterbacks are having there. I don't think I don't think that you can say Blake Bortles is a bad quarterback, Nick Foles is a bad quarterback, Gardner Minshew is a bad quarterback. I don't think that you can say that because they haven't done a whole lot of work to help their quarterbacks, if that makes any sense. So, you know, I think I think Jacksonville needs to take some time and uh iron out some of the things that are going on with their you know, front line before they start to criticize and critique and bench quarterbacks and things like that. Give Nick another chance. Let him start again. Uh, I got a lot of faith uh, faith in uh, Nick Foles. Another good talking point as far as uh, new quarterbacks go, Devlin Hodges had quite the game for Pittsburgh, uh, threw for 212 yards. Pittsburgh was able to get the win 20-13 to 13 over the Browns. The Browns are kind of interesting because I even thought that the Browns were going to do really, really well this year, and they're at 5-7. and seven and they've they've beat good people you have to understand the browns are one of the few teams that have beat the ravens so that's saying something you know for them to actually be able to beat the ravens that they have to be kind of good right but then they lost like 31 to 3 against the 49ers so maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong it's not the first time that i've been wrong and it won't be the last time that i was wrong but at the same time i do think that the browns have somewhat of a spark i think they have somewhat of a spark they can do something down the stretch they just need to get all of the pieces working together instead of kind of working against each other which is where i see them work which is the way that i see them working right now um as for Pittsburgh, though they got a much needed win, Devlin Hodges had quite the game, and I don't think you'll ever see Mason Rudolph again. Uh, that's just that's just my opinion on that subject. Baltimore was able to beat San Francisco in quite literally a game that could mirror the Super Bowl at this point. Uh, Baltimore won twenty to seventeen. Now I would say that that game was kind of won by the conditions that were given. Uh, it was raining. It was very very cold. It's outside. Baltimore played great defense, but the conditions that San Francisco was under, it, that's very unfamiliar to San Francisco. They don't normally play in conditions like that. So you kind of have to take that into account. I'm not going to say that, you know, that was like a fluke win for Baltimore or anything like that. It was a good win for them. I'm just thinking that there was a lot of different... uh different little keys that went into winning that game versus just, you know, Baltimore being better. I'll, I'll never say that Baltimore was just better. They were better that day, but there was a lot of uh, conditions that went into it that San Francisco isn't quite used to now down the line. If you see this in the Super Bowl when they play in Miami, it should be pretty good conditions. So we'll actually get to see who the better football team is there. Uh, Denver was able to squeak out against uh squeak out a win against the Los Angeles chargers, 23 to 20. Um, The Chargers didn't have a bad game. It's not like the Chargers played bad or anything like that. It was just more along the lines of um, bad clock management, uh, bad defense late in the game. There was a a stupid pass interference penalty that really should have never happened. And uh, it's those little mistakes that can cost you a game, and that's really what happened. That's really what happened. That last little pass interference, that really fucked it up for them. And, uh... You got to think that at some point Los Angeles has to address the issues that they've been having with things like penalties or, you know, losing games late. Because if you're if you're going to be a good football team in this league, you need to be able to hold on to a lead. You need to be able to uh win late games you know what I'm saying you need to be able to make sure that you can hold on to a lead if you have one and don't mess it up based off of stupid mistakes like pass interference and it was drawn up that way that play was a hundred percent drawn up to uh, draw a pass interference call and the corner just wasn't smart enough to read that and and lay off the guy. I understand you got to play defense. But at the same time, you need to be smarter than the people in front of you because they're going to try to gimmick you. They're going to try to game you. They're going to try to figure out a way to get the ball down the field. And that's exactly what they did. They moved the ball down the field. Brandon McManus kicked the field goal, and they won. And that's how Denver took a game from uh, from the Chargers, a a game that the Chargers really needed to win. Uh, they lost, unfortunately. New England was taken down by Houston, 28-22. to I did not think I would be saying that. On Sunday night right primetime game it's rare that tom brady loses and deshaun watson came out as the victor uh the texans were able to take the win 28 to 22 deshaun watson 18 for 25 234 yards three touchdowns tom brady was 24 for 47 326 yards three touchdowns but one interception, interception jesus christ uh that's what happens when you start talking too fast you know you start talking too fast you start stumbling but it just kind of seemed like uh like New England couldn't get going. It wasn't until the fourth quarter that they really started scoring. At the beginning of the fourth quarter, they were down 28 to 9. Um it's it's not I don't necessarily want to say that it's, you know, kind of par for the course for New England this late in the year because usually in December they do really really well. So I don't want to say that, but at the same time they have a couple of losses like this throughout the year. And everybody, what's interesting, this is something that's kind of interesting to me that I still, I'm, I'm yet to understand. Everyone is saying that this is the worst Patriots team that they've seen. How is it the worst Patriots team that you've seen if they're 10 and 2? How is that possible? They haven't played the best people in the world, but they've played some, you know, relatively good guys. You know, they played a team that beat the Ravens and they were able to beat them. They, you know, beat the Bills, who's actually a pretty good football team. So I wouldn't say that this is the worst Patriots team that we've seen. It's not great, you know, but there's a lot of missing pieces there. There's a lot of things that they're adjusting to along the way. Don't write off the Patriots. You can't do it. You can never write off the Patriots. At some point, they're going to come back, and they'll bite you in the ass. Um, now let's talk about this Monday night game. Before we move into talking about Oakland, let's talk about this Monday night game. Monday night, the biggest game of the week, uh, especially in the NFC, for, for a multitude of reasons, was um, Seattle versus Minnesota. Now, Minnesota came out hot, came out swinging, scored a couple of touchdowns, looked really, really good. Looked really, really good. And then in the third quarter, just died off. Seattle was able to run all over him. Uh, Russell Wilson was able to move around in the pocket. Had way too much time. It's kind of par for the course, right? Seattle is 5-0 and against Minnesota. Kirk is 0-7 in primetime. I don't know what to tell you guys. You know, Dalvin Cook, 9 carries, 29 yards, and 1 touchdown. So the, there was no rushing game. The longest reception was by Laquan Treadwell, one reception for 58 yards and a touchdown. The Vikings made a push late, but that push was just far too late. Playing the Seattle Seahawks is about outlasting the Seattle Seahawks. You have to be able to outlast them. You have to be able to have your stamina up the entire time. So to go from scoring 17 points in the first half to giving up 17 points in one quarter that's insane. You can't have games like that. Now, this is, this kind of falls back to what Minnesota is as a whole, right? They're, they're supposed to be this running football team, this team that runs the ball, and then they get away from it. They immediately get away from it at any sign of resistance at any sign of, you know, it's not working. They get away from it. One jet sweep. They ran one jet sweep and it worked perfectly and they never ran it again. They never tried to run it again. So that's the kind of things where it's it's a stagnant offense that defenses look at and go, "Okay, well if you're if all you're going to do is dink and dunk the ball and then run it and you're going to run it outside and you're not going to try to give us any kind of gimmick, we can game for you pretty easily." And that's exactly what Seattle did. Seattle played a better defensive game. They ran the football leagues better than Minnesota did. Leagues better than Minnesota did, okay? This is the kind of thing where you talk about late in the season, you can't have games like this. If you're Minnesota, you cannot have games like this. Chris Carson alone had 102 yards on the ground. 102 yards on the ground, and that's just him by himself. They had 16 rushing first downs. 16 of them. All they had to do was run the ball. That's it. Time of possession, Seattle, 39-45 to Minnesota's 20:15. You can't you can't have a game like this. You just can't. If you want to win football, if you want to win football games late in the year, there is no chance that you can that you can run the football like this, that you can play football games like this, that you can be so stagnant. And at a certain point in the third quarter, it looked like Minnesota just quit. It it absolutely looked like they just quit. Seattle had 218 yards on the ground. 218. There's no secret on why Minnesota lost this game. It wasn't lack of, you know, I don't, I don't want to say talent because both teams are very, very talented, right? It was lack of conviction. It was lack of, we're going to move the ball better than you can move the ball. That's why Minnesota lost this game. Now let's talk about the Raiders. I'll be right back. So Derek Carr came in to Kansas City to play Patrick Mahomes. Now, I know at its surface level, that kind of sounds like, you know, oh, okay, well, Patrick Mahomes is just going to walk away with that, right? It's going to be easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy. And uh, to be frank, that's kind of exactly what happened. Um, they lost 40-9, to and I was responsible for covering this game, so I kind of had to uh, sit and watch the entire thing. It was Im- incredibly painful to watch. The thing that I will say is amazing and so much fun to watch is John Gruden's face just on the side. Let's just have his face kind of plastered to just have game reactions. I just want a little John Gruden cam so he can watch like, or we can watch every time he gets absolutely disappointed in what his team does. Uh, Derek Carr played one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. 20 for 30, 222 yards, One touchdown but two interceptions and two interceptions that really really shouldn't have been interceptions. He should have he should have seen what was going on there. Uh Patrick Mahomes didn't necessarily have a great game either. He was 15 for 29, 175 yards and one touchdown. So, what's wrong with the Raiders? Well, for starters, it's a very old-world scheme. What they're running is an old-world scheme with new players, okay? They're they're kind of doing this um I don't want to say hack and slash because that's probably not necessarily the technical term for it, but it's a a very run-heavy offense, but they are relying on a quarterback that can really only throw timed routes to throw progression routes and read routes. So basically he has to read defenses and determine where the ball is going to go. But that's not necessarily the kind of quarterback Derek Carr is. He can really only throw routes that are timed where he knows where someone's going to be because if he doesn't know that person's going to be there, it's going to be hard for him to read which is why he got picked off that first time now he eyeballed that player down that receiver down the entire time that's why he was able to get picked off so easy it's kind of and it it's kind of the same way multiple times you know the the things that he throws the interceptions that he throws not to mention that they had three turnovers but i mean that's i mean that's neither here nor there but you know when it comes to those kind of things where you have a quarterback that can't necessarily read defense as well. You get plays like this. You get dumb interceptions like that. That happen. where he's, since he's eyeballing the person the entire time, it's very easy for that person to read what's going on or a defense to read what's going on and adapt to it. So that's kind of what, what's going on with the Raiders. They have this, they have this very stagnant offense where it's very easy to see what they're going to be doing or what their plan is. Um, their plan is obviously first and foremost to give the ball to Josh Jacobs, right? But if they abandon that, you kind of know where the ball is going after that. It's going to be routes that are in between, I would say seven to about 15 to 18 yards. That's about the, the range of what Derek Carr likes to throw. He's not necessarily a guy that's going to be very accurate down the field. So you don't necessarily have to worry about that. He can throw a long ball for sure, but he's just not necessarily very accurate at it. Um, I also think that some of the communication between John Gruden and the rest of the guys is not going over well. It doesn't seem to be to me that the the idea is getting received well in the locker room of his coaching style. Now, that's not to say that he's too rough of a coach on these guys or anything like that, because I've had rough coaches my entire life. And it's not like a rough coach is something that breaks you. I'm just saying that maybe they don't respond to it very well. Maybe the communication isn't as good as it should be for this team to be better. Now, there's a couple of things that can go right. You know, they they don't necessarily have the worst schedule going forward. Uh, it's not the best. You know, it's not the best. But there's a lot of there's a lot of room for improvement there. They got the Titans, the Jaguars, the Chargers, and the Broncos. That's who they have left. They can easily win, I would say, about three of their last four games, end up 9-7, and right? Probably get a wild card spot in the playoffs. You know, there's a chance for that. What they do in the playoffs, that's kind of going to be up to them. That's going to be up to the way that they use the talent that they have on offense. Um, Defensively, there's a lot that needs to go right for Oakland going forward before they before they can be a a great football team, they need to build a better secondary. And that's going to take a little bit of time. That's going to take drafting. That's going to take bringing in uh, free agents and things like that. So I kind of trust John Gruden on that side of the ball. I think that he'll actually be able to update and kind of bring some more life into the defense. What I'm worried about is the offense. I'm worried about the offense being stagnant. Can they compete in a shootout? I don't necessarily think so. Uh, So let's make some picks for the... uh, For this week's games and then uh, we'll I'll let you guys go home. I'll let you I'll let you finish your drive to wherever you're getting to. Uh, So starting first, let's start with this Thursday night game. It's kind of interesting. I wonder if they're going to continue to do Thursday night games like forever or if this is going to like taper off eventually i imagine it'll taper off uh but first up dallas at chicago i'm gonna go ahead and take dallas i'm I'm gonna just lean on dallas i think that they they deserve a win i think that they need to get a win and i think against chicago they have a chance to do it carolina at atlanta i'll take atlanta Uh, i'll take baltimore over buffalo that should be an interesting game if buffalo beats baltimore Boy, people better start giving Buffalo some respect. Ah, uh, Cincinnati at Cleveland. I'm gonna go ahead and take Cleveland over Cincinnati, Green Bay over Washington. I'll take Minnesota over Detroit. I'll take San Francisco over New Orleans. Actually, reverse that. I'm gonna take New Orleans over San Francisco. I'll take Miami over New York, uh, Tampa Bay over Indianapolis. I'll take Houston over Denver, Los Angeles Chargers over the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll take Tennessee over Oakland. I'm going to take New England over Kansas City just by a hair, though. And then uh, I'll take Pittsburgh over Arizona. I'll take Seattle over Los Angeles. And last but not least, on the Monday night game, I will be taking New York over Philadelphia. I'm going to go ahead and go with the uh, the Giants over Philly. You guys have a great rest of your week. Uh, remember to rate and review All Good Points on your favorite podcast platform. Follow me on Instagram at All Good Points Podcast and on Twitter at Ricky Gray Jr. I will see you next week. And now let's finish the song by The New Fools. <laughs>